Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations and metrics and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast. I'm very excited today to be joined by somebody who's basically done everything there is to do when it comes to agency. He was an executive and ran global departments at one of the largest uh, advertising agencies on the planet, Saatchi and Saatchi. He then ran his own firm for about a decade, started a couple tech companies, sold one to Microsoft, and now advises agencies on all kinds of things, but in particular, getting found business development and really positioning that stands out from the crowd. And today we're going to be talking about the nuances of account management and how to really turn that into a driving force for your agency. So with all of that, Peter Levitin, thank you for being here on the show today. My pleasure. Glad to be here, wherever here is. Peter, I've given everybody a little uh, context on you, but in your own words, what do you do and who do you serve? I help agencies grow, and um, uh, hopefully, and uh, as they grow, they take a page from your book, is and that is to be more profitable. So, growth without profit, frankly, is irrelevant. I think. I think often agencies kind of forget a little bit that eh, I'll be cautious here. Aren't they forget they're in business, and uh, you it, business is about making money. So, a lot of what I talk to agencies about is uh, how do you get to the point where there's cash flow, where there's a pipeline, where these uh, clients are paying you, and that you're profitable. Because um, really, running any business without profit doesn't work. And 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 this is a business, as you know better than anybody. It takes uh, smart operations to get to profitability. And so, with that in mind, there's an area that you know I don't think we've talked enough about on the show, which is account management. And so, that's what we're going to be digging into today. It's a place where I think you've got um, somewhat of a unique POV and, and some really great ideas. And the place I want to start is like, what the heck is account management? And you know, you ask ten account managers what they do every day, you'll you generally get ten slightly different answers. And even within a given uh, agency, the role of account manager might look different based on the composition of the team and you know how big that agency is and what kind of services they offer so um, what is account management to you and what purpose does it serve in this larger conversation about making the business profitable and sustainable and having great cash flow I'd say today what account management is a very complex uh, definition. Um, obviously, a an account management account manager at a WPP agency is going to be different. Let's just say that that's a three to four hundred person agency. I just throw that out. Uh, that person is different from a mid-sized agency, different from a five-person agency, and certainly different than a uh, let's just call it a freelancer as an agency. Uh, Really, when we talk about account management to a certain extent, we're talking about people that touch the client, touch the client on a, on a daily basis. And that's why there is often some confusion between product management and account management. I'll say for the sake of this discussion that anyone that really works with a client on a daily basis is an account manager. Um, that said, a traditional account manager, which just as a side note, and I thought this was funny when I worked in London, they're called account handlers. <laughs> 
So you're getting handled by your guys in London. I mean, that's uh, but the bottom line is account managers have to manage the business uh, internally and externally. Uh, I've got more detail on that. Um, and they need to provide excellent agency service. I, I pulled a quote from my book here. Let me read this to you. Uh, quote, only 13% of clients uh, stated that their agency regularly exceeds their expectations. And that's as reported by a uh, UK's up in the light company. So this is 13% regular, regularly say that they're happy. Now, uh, you're not going to keep that client with great creative or supersonic uh, MarTech if that client isn't being serviced. And that, frankly, is is really the key issue here and, and how to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. You, you raised I think the first one is, of course, really critical, um, especially when it comes to positioning. And, and so I think there's an assumption here that the agency has strong positioning, but We've, I'm sure, both seen it time and time again. The relationship starts with the agency having this kind of authoritative, strategic posture, and then the account management practice of becoming more of an order taker and not pursuing more strategic conversations and pushing past the initial ask to your point and bringing the conversation to a more strategic level over time can erode what was originally like a, a very high leverage relationship where the agency was respected and it starts to gradually turn into more order taking. And to your point, it's like, you know, if, uh, if Henry Ford did everything that clients wanted, he would have built a faster horse, uh, instead of a car It's kind of that, that <laughs> same idea. So I think that that's sure. a really important one, right? H how do account managers develop that, that skill set and, and develop the confidence really? I think maybe that's part of it, of, of being able to guide that conversation back to a more fundamental and, and strategic place and creating value in that sense. Well, the word I, I often use is consciousness. Um, how do you, how do you be conscious uh, versus, as you say, order taker. Um, conscious is is uh, really awareness, and again, it's this this ability to listen very closely. The issue is that uh, today in advertising agencies, you have a, a lot of very junior account managers. So how can you expect someone to, again, I used that word earlier, through some form of osmosis, get it? Uh, so I think it's highly dependent upon uh, leadership to sit them down, if you want to call it a training program, great. Um, uh, and uh, and teach the skill set again. It does not. Ha this does not have to be complicated. Fifteen minutes works. I would even think as a, as a leader of an agency, uh, spend a couple of hours on YouTube, uh, search on account management, and find five videos that from other people that talk about account management. Everything. Every wheel doesn't have to be created within the agency. So, um, I think it's important. I I do want to talk about training for a second. Um, Training in a world where uh, we're dealing with a difficult recruitment environment uh, and, and dealing uh, with a retention problem, right? Uh, there are a lot of issues here, uh, certainly a lot to do with uh, a distributed workforce. Um, training helps people understand the culture of the agency, helps understand the vision of the agency. This is critical. Uh, helps them really understand what are the services that the agency does provide, because frankly, you can't really, uh, I don't know how you can work with a client without understanding what the agency's capabilities are and what its focus is. Um, I'll go back to culture is very important. It's hard, it's hard these days to develop culture in a distributed workforce, but it can be done. Um, it reduces, training reduces turnover. It keeps people active. It makes them think, especially the younger generations, that boy, they care about me and they care about my career. 
So it's this is such a um, it's like, you know, a lot of Christmas presents under the tree. It's hard to unwrap any one just, you know, one at a time kind of deal. You know, see kids running around screaming, grabbing. Um, it's up to management to focus the people. Yeah. So with that in mind, you mentioned another thing, which is thinking about communicating internally. And one example that I see all the time of this is, well, frankly, it starts with the management, as you said, it's like, they don't even really understand their own contract models. And now uh, an account manager is expected to negotiate and protect scope, but they're not sure if they're selling time or deliverables or some mixture of those things. So all kinds of issues, of course, and breakdown that occurs there. What are some of the keys to an account manager being effective at, you know, balancing the interests of clients and, and communicating that into the agency in a healthy way? Number one is clearly having a clear scope document. And again, I'll go back and say that, you know, the agency, and I think hopefully most do, have this set in stone, have a document to be filled out. Um, you know, in the old days, it was really called a creative brief. It, it, you still need creative briefs. When we wrote a creative brief, and I'll get to strategy in a second, when we wrote that brief, we shared it with the client. They signed off on it. So number one is we need to get clients to sign off. And I'm, I'm hoping that most agencies do that. Uh, the, uh, the, you know, the core issue is scope creep, where you start out by uh, doing X, Y, Z, and all of a sudden they want ABC. And um, the, uh, I think if the agency has a very clear statement that everybody, uh, let's call it memorizes, where you say to the client, uh, I understand that you want some additional service with services. Uh, we can do that for you. We'd love to do that for you. I will uh, get you an estimate for that work. Right. Um, I, uh, one of my great metaphors for pricing is is a dry cleaner. Uh, we just witnessed something absolutely absurd, which is Keurig, Dr. Pepper asking their agency to work for free for a year. I don't, I don't know if you saw that story. It was mind blowing. OK, so we're talking about a, a giant company. Um, now, how does a how does a 26 year old AE type uh, respond to that? that they shouldn't. Right. They, that's a big deal. They shouldn't have to do that. Uh, but they get a, a more junior version of that almost uh, weekly from clients who, frankly, wake up one day and say, oh, you know, I, maybe if you adjusted this like that, that would be great. Well, the adjustments are, are the difference between being profitable and not profitable. And one of the things that you brought up that I think is important to double click on is, to your point, the efficiency of a clear positioning, because generally what comes from that is solving similar problems for similar types of companies. And in doing so, starting to see the pattern in, well, once we solve this problem for the client and they get success, what problems does that new success create? And being able to create a little bit more standardization on, you know, what what the progression of value add is as you kind of take a company through the progression of you know, improving whatever it is that you're an expert in helping them improve or solving whatever problems it is that you're an expert in solving. And absent that clear positioning and that consistency, um, it's going to require more strategic input, more nuance on a client by client basis. And to your point, therefore, probably more senior involvement in facilitating those conversations and moving them forward. Absolutely. Uh, again, you know, look, I think uh, agencies need to start with a clear positioning. Who are we? Right. What do we who what who are we? What are we offering specifically to clients and what are the clients that we want? And the more expert you are in one of I'll call it maybe even six areas of expertise, because it can be anything from demographics to to geography to uh, search engine optimization. 
Uh, once the agency defines that positioning, it makes everything easier, I believe, and in particular in working with clients because they perceive you as an expert and they're willing to listen. Uh, clients do want full service agencies and, quote, generalists, unquote, because it's easier to manage. But those tend to be the larger clients that are doing multiple things. And, and that's why, you know, let's face it, there are agencies like Asachi and Sachi, 4,000 people available to clients. At least when I worked there, 4,000 people worked at the agency. You know, um, That's a different, a, a different proposition than a three-person shop. Um, so, uh, you know, look, this is, as I said, 360 earlier, it's a matrix. And um, I don't expect, I, frankly, I, I don't even expect myself to understand it. I, I do continuous learning on YouTube. I read your stuff. I actually, uh, you know, I pay attention to what I'm listening to. Um, and uh, that's why I occasionally say to account, uh, senior people, write down what you're looking at and share it. Why not discuss it? Why not sit in a, quote, conference room, if there is a thing like that anymore, and uh, look at a YouTube video on account management with your account managers? Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to paraquito.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. And with that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. Yeah. And, and I think to your point, there's, there's institutional knowledge as well that, that has, you know, transference, like sitting in on sales conversations and understanding how the sales team who has, you know, ample training and repetitions at talking to clients about what they do and how it solves their problems. Like that exposure can create a lot of context, sitting in on strategic conversations with the creative team, sitting in on technical conversations with, you know, the digital team, these kinds of, uh, things can create, uh, like there's institutional knowledge that probably is not very efficiently transferred to an account person who can benefit from a lot of this stuff. So, um, these are good opportunities and not necessarily things that have to create net new work. It's just a question of kind of post-producing or rerouting the things that are already happening or the things that already exist to help fill the gaps that might exist in an account manager. So I, I like that take. I'm all about efficiency, especially when it comes to this mm -hmm. kind of thing. So uh, very good stuff. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about building an account team um, and thinking about the structure of an account team. I think this is something that um, especially as a, an emerging agency starts to become a question of like, when, when do we know that it's time to put somebody in this role and how do you scale kind of the account function and how does it interact with, you know, the other departments that it touches like strategy and project management and sales? What are your thoughts on that progression? I mean, this is tough stuff. Uh, we, uh, we both see agencies that are probably overstaffed. And, uh, you know, this is an issue. Um, one thing I learned when I ran technology companies was that a brilliant engineer, a brilliant co uh, computer scientist could do the work of four people. I mean, it was my, I couldn't believe it. I, it. I had to do some learning. This is back a few years ago. Uh, just watching a superior programmer, uh, you know, I, they come in in the morning, say, I wrote this last night. You're like, what? 
Okay, you know, that happens. So we see that also in, in account, you know, in the differences between account managers. When to hire account manager, I believe, is when an agency is uh, so focused on current clients that they are not doing business development. I'm going to keep this as simple as possible. Um, business development is a client, and uh, I can talk acres about that, you know, how, how you treat business development the same way you treat a client. Um, so an issue uh, with that particular um, need is that uh, when all of a sudden the agency is too busy doing work on clients and they don't have the active business development program, it's time to bring someone in or move someone up into the position of handling uh, handling. Uh, the clients. So management in particular, I, th I always think that every, we'll call them CEO type of an agency, uh, put in 50% of their time into business development. Uh, that's how important I think it is because we're certainly seeing clients go out the back door. You need to bring new ones coming in the front door. Um, so one way to figure this out is if um, you're hurting yourself by not staffing correctly. Another is Frankly, just uh, having periodic conversations with clients. I don't think you can just leave it up to an account person to come in in the morning and say everything's cool. Um, you know, I'll go back to the beginning. Only 13% of clients, I'm going to read this again because it's so important. 13% of clients stated that their agency, uh, only 13% of the time they exceed expectations. This is insanity. I mean, do you go to the same dry cleaner if they can't clean your clothes? I mean, you know, it just doesn't work like that. So um, one is uh, making sure that you have the time and the energy to go get new clients. And the second is really understanding uh, and uh, training people into understanding what client satisfaction is. And ask, Frank, you know, I'll go back and ask the clients, are you satisfied? Uh, my agency used to do that once a year. I mean, we had multiple conversations over, over the course of the year, but once a year we had a very strategic kind of, we'll call it sit down meeting and saying, how are we doing? Um, we also had a one, and I forget what it's called, we also sent out a questionnaire with one question on it, which is a very defining question. Would you recommend us to someone else? And I, there's, a, there's a term for that, I forget what it is, but it's essentially, you know, imagine you go to a restaurant, you eat dinner, and the, and the boss, uh, you know, the chef comes over, says, I hope you enjoyed your meal. Yes, very much. Uh, what did you, was it, uh, would you recommend us to someone else? I mean, it's a weird question, but, um, you know, if you put it in writing, it's easier to answer than looking at someone in the face. So um, I think agencies tend not to be good enough at really talking in, to clients about their level of satisfaction. Yeah, yeah. I think what you're referring to is net promoter score, if I'm not mistaken. You got and, it. Uh, yes. Yeah, there's an insight here, which is that, um, and maybe a moment of uh, a realization for some of the folks that are listening that maybe have been pushing off the account management higher, that although as the founder or as the creative director or what have you, you have the ability to have more strategic conversations with clients. I know personally, there was a tipping point where a lot of the transactional things that were essential to the client experience, like quick to respond to information that was much more transactional, rescheduling meetings, those kinds of things, I wasn't being very responsive because I was an overburdened executive and I had mm -hmm. other things to do. And so the realization that that was happening allowed me to embrace the idea that actually the clients will be much better served by somebody who's not 
not me. And I can just come in for the 10% of things that I'm actually really required for that, you know, require that context or that strategic thinking. But having an account manager whose entire job is to just be responsive to clients and make sure they have clarity was a huge improvement in their experience relative to me waiting 12 hours to get back to them because I've been on Zoom all day and their, right. their messages have been sitting in my inbox. So, um, yeah, I think that's an important note. And again, to your point, uh, that generally is going to come at the expense of new business development, which is another good kind of um, a good signal to watch out for. Right. Are you spending all your time on those existing clients? It's a good sign. And then it's just a question of buying back your time so you can spend it on higher leverage things. And new business tends to be a very, very high leverage thing for a very long time for founders at a company. Yep. I, I'm sure you'll agree with this. I I as painful as it is, I counsel my agency clients to use timesheets. And there's, uh, you know, it's everything from writing it down on a piece of paper to having some uh, piece of programming that, uh, that helps. Um, if you, you can see a problem before it happens, if you can start to look at people's timesheets and try to understand that they're working on too much, there is, and you probably know this better than I do, you know, some utiliz staff utilization goal by by job and we all want everybody to, you know we think we want people to be utilized to the max but the bottom line is it doesn't work like that there are only so many you know there's only a percentage of somebody that can be highly functional um, when you start to see them get, get, getting over that line I think it's time to pay attention to um, is this hurting our clients and it really comes down to the agency management managing the people the staff and the client relationship and again, that becomes a problem when they're too busy too. So it's really stop, everybody's stopping for a minute and, and taking a good hard look at uh, uh, how much of my time is being spent on clients and, and frankly, am I doing the right things when I'm spending that time? So is it quarterly or more often? Sit down with your account person or people and discuss that. Uh, and again, it goes back to your question, when, when is it time to hire somebody? Well, when everybody uh, uh, is uh, getting overburdened, but you're profitable, you know, if you're not profitable, that's a different issue. Yeah. And, and again, that, that time tracking data can help you figure out why and where there's an excess amount of time or resources yep. going to a place where you're not being compensated for it. And I want to make it clear. I think when you say using timesheets, a lot of people immediately conflate that as meeting billing by the hour. And those are not the same thing. I'll remind everyone no. tracking and measuring time is a completely separate exercise from how you bill clients. Those things exist independently of them. And time tracking really is more about you than it is about the client for these reasons, right? These conversations and these decisions and these insights are much easier to get when you have a measure of where the thing that you sell <laughs> is going. Because as an agency, it doesn't matter how fancy you get about the pricing model. You sell time. That's the business model. There's no escaping that. And I will debate anyone <laughs> on earth about whether or not that's the truth. But I think like th that's where I stand on it. So, um, yeah, I know we you probably get as much pushback as I do on time tracking for very legitimate reasons. Cultural implications. People don't like mm -hmm. it. Of course, people don't like it. There's all kinds of reasons they shouldn't like it. But a lot of times it's also not being done very well or for the right reasons, which is um, leading to a lot of these misconceptions and, and cultural issues around time tracking. So glad you brought that up. Well, it's particularly an, quote, interesting, unquote, problem 
with a work for home, from home or work from Chiang Mai, <laughs> wherever they are, uh, employee. Uh, because you're doing a couple of things there, uh, you know, in respect to managing their time, but you also don't want to freak people out. So there is an incredibly interesting balance between saying, it, and this really comes down to management, explaining to people why you want them to fill out timesheets. And one of the reasons is that you can say to them, because I don't want you to be overburdened. I need to understand. Um, uh, we both need. We both need to understand. It's like being married. We both need to talk about uh, time management. It's not a one-way street. Well, Peter, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Really uh, thankful for you making some time for us. And for everyone that's listening, if you'd like to check out more of Peter's work, his content, we'll leave links in the show notes to his blog, to his website, where he's posting uh, lots of great thought leadership. So make sure you go and check that out. And with that, we'll see you on the next episode. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast. I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. And it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeta.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener and we will see you on the next episode.